Hey, what's up, everybody? This is JC, pastor of Olive Church. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Please don't forget to share our audios. God bless you. Um, okay, well, real quick, I'm going to be talking a lot about the book of James in the Bible. So if you do me a favor, get on your phones or get on your Bibles real quick and go look for the book of James, chapter 1, 22 to 25. And those who are looking for the, watching for the first time, go to Google real quick, put James 1, 22, 25, New Living Translation. That's what I'm going to use. Uh, I think we're going to show it in the screen. You're going to see it in the screen right there. And I'm, I'm go, before, you show, before you put it on the screen, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the book of James. See, James was Jesus' brother. Uh, not a lot of people know that, but James was Jesus' brother. And uh, the book of James is a very special book because when you read it, when you read it all together as, as one whole book, you're going to see that he kind of goes from one spot to another. He talks about one thing to another. You know, uh, and back in that time, the, the, uh, the people, the disciples of Jesus, they all had nicknames. And James's nicknames was James the Wise. And James... Uh, when, he, when you read his book, you're going to find out that there's little uh, gems in every single topic that he speaks. There's gems of wisdom. So the book of James is a good book. It's a very practical book, which means that it's very easy to read. Uh, but I do recommend that you underline and you take notes when you read this book because it has a lot of wisdom. It has a lot of knowledge. Also, this book is recognized as... Uh, the book of action, the book of do. And I was thinking this morning, I was kind of laughing to myself because if James were to be alive right now, I think he would wear all Nike, you know, because of his, uh, what do you call that, emblem? Or, yeah, just, the just do it. What, what's that called? Logo. Logo or what is it? Slogan. There, that's a slogan, right? So, I think he will be wearing Nike all the time because it's about just do it. So James, the book of James, it talks about action. And today's title, the topic in the preaching is called Action. And this book is all about doing what we're supposed to do. Amen. And let me prove it to you real quick. Again, in James chapter 1, 22 to 25. And look at what it says. It says this. But do not listen to God's word. You must do what it says. See? So, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. 24. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you what? Free. And if you do what it says and you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, here, right there, in the first chapter, James starts talking about how we're supposed to do. Simply do. Now, if I recommend for everyone to read the Bible, but not just to read it and to listen to what it says, but you have to put in action. You have to put to work what it says. It's very important. Now, not a lot of us are used to, Putting 
the work of God into action. Not a, lot of us, not, a, not a lot of us are used to putting things into action. We may think about things, but it's very hard for us to put things into action, put things into work. How many of us have so many plans that we still have not accomplished yet? It's for that same reason. Because we're so used to just thinking about it, feeling it, but then it stays right here, and we don't do it. Well, the Word of God is the same way. We have to, when we read it, we have to put into action, consider what God is trying to tell us into our lives. Now, real quick, go to the book of James again, chapter 2, the next chapter, 1426, 14 to 26. Again, again, I'm sorry, James chapter 2, 14 to 26, and it says this, faith without works is dead. 14, it says, what does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have the works, can faith save him? 15, it says this. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily works, can faith save them? 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute on daily, uh, daily works, can faith save them? 15. If, um, 16, I'm sorry. And if you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which they need for the body. What does it profit? Does it also faith by itself? If it does not have works, it's dead. So in other words, he's saying that in order for us to have faith, we need to have works with it too. Right? And I, I have explained this before. Where if we're driving... Uh, on the street, and we see a homeless person right there where they usually stand, and we see him right there, and we are in, the, in our car, and we're simply staring at him, looking at him, and we feel bad for that person, and we say, you know what? God bless you. God bless you. May God give you all the desires of your heart, and we bless that person, and we pray for that person, and we pray for that family, but as soon as the light turns green or you get the green arrow, and you turn, Okay, now what happens if you're in the light and, and you're, you're standing right there in your car, homeless person is there, and you begin to pray for that person. But see, God in your heart places that where you need to um, make an offering for him. Or simply just out of your heart, you pull your wallet out as soon as you see that person and you give an offering. And then you pray for that person. See, this is what, this is what um, Paul is talking about here. Exactly that. That we need to be able to have faith but put it to work. In other words, when you pull that money out to bless that person, that is faith with works. And see, some, some of us don't know how to do exactly that. We get stuck in only thinking about it. And we don't put things to work. We don't put things to action. Because we are, are, uh, we, we are lacking faith. We are lacking faith. The complete action of faith. The complete action of faith. Because, see, faith is believing in something you can't see. Yes. But you have to put it to work. It's got to have action. So um, let me keep reading. Verse 18, it says, But someone will say, You have faith. I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith, my faith by my works. 19. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and remember. But do you, do you want to know, all foolish men, that faith without works 
is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son in the altar? 22. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And it says, and by works, faith was made perfect. 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. It goes together. Everybody that says, I have faith, I believe in God, guess what? You need to believe it too, but you also need to put it to work. See, it's not just about having faith. It's about doing the work that the faith requires to be done. Amen? It's doing the work that the faith requires to be done. So we have to work at it as well. Don't we just sit down and wait for things to happen? Most of us do that. Most of us do that. We sit down in the bed. We get on our phones or on the couch, and we, we get on our phones, and all we do is wait for things to happen. And we just expect for God to bless us. Well, let me tell you what. It doesn't work like that. We have to put our work into it. And I'm talking to all of us here, too. You guys are here uh, helping us out. Okay? And you at home, especially you. We have to put our faith in action. We have to put our faith to work. Amen? Now, verse 25 says this. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Right? The best example right there. Now, real quick, you're going to see in your screen right there. Action. The definition of action. And it says this. The process of doing something, especially in order to stop a bad situation from developing or continuing. So we need to take what? Action. Take action. Begin to do something to solve a particular problem. Course of, affection, of, of action. Excuse me. Something that you do in order to achieve particular purpose. I'll read it again real quick and real fast. The purpose of doing something, this is action, the purpose of doing something, especially in order to stop a bad situation from developing or continuing. Take action. Begin to do something to solve a particular problem. So what do we use action for? To solve what? Problems. To solve problems. Course of action. Something that you do, something, something that you do in order to achieve a particular purpose so we need to have course of action we need to take action we need to understand the process of action of working amen now I have a question that goes with this too and it's gonna you're gonna see it on your screen sorry on my personal Facebook we haven't figured out how to link it but just listen to the words and it says this what stops us from taking action that's a good question what stops us from taking action Right? And again, I'm talking to the staff right here today. And I'm talking to the people of church. What stops us from taking action? What is it that is holding us back from things? From doing things? From our course of action? From taking action? From accepting the purpose 
of what we need to do. What is stopping us? And then the question is, problems? Well, for problems, there are solutions. Is it your story, right? Your testimony, the way we lived our lives? Is that stopping us from keep going forward and taking action? Well, that can be changed. Is it our beliefs? Is it our beliefs that is stopping us from taking action in what we want to do? That can be changed too. See, most of us are raised in a very cultural lifestyle. And we think that because we have those beliefs, we can do certain things because what would they think? And we close ourselves and we close our minds into thinking that, oh, well, I, I, can't, I can't do this, but I can't do that because, you know, my family, my friends, I have people in Mexico, man. I have people in Guam that they will probably th be thinking bad about me. I have people in Spain that, oh, my goodness, you know. And, and we start thinking in, 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 in our people, in our friends. Why would they think this is why I can't do what I need to do? So it stops us from taking action. What else? Your feelings? Well, your feelings can be controlled. I feel scared, Pastor. I don't know. This virus thing is like going everywhere and I'm scared. Well, that, that shouldn't stop you for, from uh, taking action. What you need to do. Yes, take precaution. Yes, take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Take care of your things. But don't stop. Where's our faith then? Where's our faith? Right? Are we too angry? Are we too angry at our loved ones? Are those feelings stopping you from taking action, the action that you need to take in order for you to succeed where you need to be? Where is it at? Faith. What about our internal sabotages? Well, we need to learn to renew our mind. Right? Oh, I can't. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I know I can't. It's impossible. It's very hard for me to do it. Um, have somebody else do it. Somebody else. You do it. You do it. Why, right? Because we sabotage ourselves. Because we stop ourselves. We put a hold on ourselves. And then next thing you know, we're done. And we'd rather pass the blessing to somebody else because we're too afraid to do it. We sabotage ourselves. We think in ourselves that we can't do it. That it's impossible. We don't feel worthy for doing things sometimes. And we sabotage our lives because we are too scared. Because we don't think we're worthy. What about your spiritual judgment, right? Well, we need, to be, we need to mature spiritually. Some of us become too judgmental. And we put in our heads that we can't do it. It shouldn't be done that way. Right? Well, guess what? If you're stopping yourself from the purpose of your life, which I believe that God gave you that desire in your heart. If we're stopping ourselves because of a spiritual thought or mentality or heart or becoming too judgmental well let me to tell you we need to become more mature and understand that nothing can condemn us for those who we who love God amen I mean as long as you're staying away from sin you're gonna be fine just do it have the faith take the action and go for it we become too judgmental sometimes because oh I'm, I'm Christian so you know I you know I don't know I don't know if we can, we can do that, that kind of business, that kind of work. Well, let me tell you something. Again, as long as it's not within the sinful path, you should be fine. But it's our spiritual, uh, quote-unquote, feelings that we have 
that we can keep going to do what we're supposed to do. Because see, God doesn't want that for your life. He doesn't want you to be condemned in your mind. He wants you to keep going with the desires of your heart that he placed in your heart. Amen? All right. What about your ancestral loyalties? Family comes in second. That's my answer. Oh, pastor, what are you, what are you saying? What do you mean family comes in second, pastor? Well, what is my mom going to think? What is my brother going to think? What is my sister going to think? What is my grandparents going to think, pastor? Are you kidding me? Well, let me tell you something. If you have a family on your own, if you're married with your husband, with your wife, if you, if you have kids already, that is your first church. That is your immediate family. That is the first family. Your second family comes second. And I know you won't agree with me. Some of you won't agree with me. Because people say, family is everything. Family is everything. Have you heard, oh, well, so-and-so passed away. Well, he's my rock. He was my rock. She was my rock. Well, let me tell you something. If Jesus is not your rock, you were standing in the wrong foundation. Your life, your family was standing on the wrong foundation. No wonder you're scared. No wonder you can't keep going. No wonder there's no action into your life. Because the foundation is wrong. We cannot put our second family first. Our immediate family is first. Your husband is first. Your wife is first. Your children are first. They are first. Christ should be number one in your life. He is your foundation. He is your rock. Not your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad. Not them. Yes, they were a strong pillar in your family. And maybe they are a strong pillar in your family. But your foundation, your rock should be Christ. Christ alone. That's it. Christ alone. Only Jesus. Oh, well, I still don't believe with you. You're probably disconnected already from watching. But I'll tell you what, because you're going to come back and watch this video, and I'll tell you what. If you put Christ first in your life, if he is the foundation, when the storm comes, like this global storm is happening now, nothing can take you down. And I'll tell you what, I'm sure there's pastors that have passed away, but I can promise you, and Christian people, believers that are probably passing away right now. Who knows, maybe next week I'm gone. But I'll tell you what. My foundation is always Christ. And I can be in a bed laying down, maybe afraid, but my joy will remain. Because Christ is my foundation. He is my rock. And he should be your rock too. And your foundation as well. Amen. So your ancestral royalties, they come second. Second. You need to think about Yourself, your family. All of these things can change. Now, look at this slide. Admitting, admitting that there is a problem within ourselves is already finding half of the solution to our problem. Are you listening? So admitting that there is a problem within ourselves is already finding half of the solution to our problem. So we have to admit first that we have a problem. Once we admit we have a problem, we have found half of the solution. Because the hardest, the hardest step is taking the first step. And what is the first step? Admitting. Right? And then acting on the problem 
is solving the problem successfully. So admitting that there's a problem is the first half of the solution. Acting upon the problem, you're already going to be successful in finding a solution for that. Amen? Part of the answer is to be practical with our actions. We have to believe with practical faith. Believe that God will provide and take action as you know things are going to happen. Take action. Simple. You think about it. It's there in your mind, in your head. You know what? I've been wanting to do this all year long. I've been wanting to do this for I don't know how long. Stop thinking about it. How many years you have with the same thought in your head, the same idea in your head, and it's still here. And you're being held back because you're afraid to take action. Be practical. Think about it and then go and do it. As simple as that. If we want God to bless what we need to do, what we need to decide, and place God, then we need to place God first. If we want God to bless what we need to do, we need to decide and place God first. We need to consider his word and what he commands and place action into our lives. Let's not adopt to let's not adapt God into our lives. Listen to me to these words again. Let's not adapt God into our lives. Let's adapt God. Uh, let's adapt to God's will. We should not be adapting God, God, I will allow you into my life now. No, it's not that way. I'll say it again. God, okay, God, now. Now I'll put you into my life. I don't want to die with this virus thing, and I need you to protect me, Lord. And guess what? Okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready. You're going to be in my life now. I promise. Wrong words. Wrong words. We need to adapt our lives into his will. That's how this works. We need to say, okay, God, here I am. My life is right there. Here's everything for me. I leave it right there for you. Please guide my life. Forget what I've been doing. It doesn't work. It's been 30 years and I'm still in the same boat. It doesn't work. I've drowned. I've been shipwrecked so many times. God, it doesn't work. I need to adapt my life to him. If we put a space to God, then guess what, you're do guess what we're doing? We're having the wrong idea. Can we get a little background music? It's the wrong idea. It's the wrong idea. We need to learn to say, God, here's my life. Here's my life. Allow me to understand your will. I want to take action in my things, but I need to understand your will. I need to understand what you're trying to tell me, God. My life it just simply doesn't work the way it's working right now. And I'm having trouble with my wife, with my husband, with my kids. And how the world is right now, we can't afford to be angry at each other and separate each other simply because I can't take action into my life. The Bible says, here's the next verse. The Bible says that we will find success if we place our plans in His hands. 
Allow me to prove it. The book of Proverbs, chapter 16.3, it says this. Book of Proverbs 16.3, it says this. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. I'm not saying stop living your life. I'm not saying give up your charming personality. What I'm saying is grab your life, put her in God's hands, let him be the guide in your life. Look at what Jeremiah 29:11 says, my wife's favorite verse. Hello, babe. She's watching right now. She looks like a princess right now. Should have seen her. It says this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and hope. I'll read it again. Jeremiah 29, 11. This may become your favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. If you're listening to this message, then you are considering reaching out to God. But again, be ready to do things His way. His way is in His kingdom. What's good for us is in His way, in His thoughts. Now listen to these words. These are very powerful words to your heart. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. And if you can write them down, write them down. Listen to these words. God placed them in my heart. Listen to this. The value is in what is best for us, not in what everyone else thinks is good for us. I'll say it again. The value is in what is best for us. Not in what everyone else thinks is good for us. Proverbs 19.21 says this. You'll see it in your screen too. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of men. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we may plan so many things. But if it's God's will, they will happen. Check your screen again. We have these thoughts of stagnation and comfort zones. Because we fear to offend those we love. Or we fear to fail. Or we fear that we are not good enough. Or we think that we are not ready or worthy of reaching get that mentality off of your head take that mentality away from you that is not what God wants for us look at what says in Matthew eleven twelve. from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. I'll read it again. Matthew eleven twelve, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven 
suffers violence. And violent men take it by force. There are things that we need to simply act on. We need to simply take it by force. For how long you had that idea of business in your head? For how long you've been thinking about changing jobs? For how long you have been uh, wanting a home? For how long you have been wanting to stop drugs, stop, to, uh, stop drinking? How long have you been suffering drama? How long will you live a sinful life? For how long? We're going to live like that. How come we can just take action and stop our lives from being miserable and mediocre? We need to be violent with what we want. And we simply need to take charge and do it. I'll tell you what, though. Number one, it won't be easy. You're going to go to trial after trial after trial. Number two, it will take some time. Number three, we need to learn to be patient. Number four, we need to persevere. Number five, we need to have endurance when we take this plan of action into consideration. Look at Romans 5, 1 to 6, it says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in sight, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this peace of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward of to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too. We can run into our problems and trials for we know that they have helped us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Five, and his hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us a Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I'll read it again from 3 and on. And it says this, we can rejoice too when we run into our problems and trials. For we know that they have helped us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Did you hear me? It will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. In other words... If we place our strength in Christ, you will become unstoppable. A machine of endurance, a machine of character, a machine of perseverance in the things you want. What is it that you've been thinking 
that you know you should take action into. Do it. Last verse, James 1.12 says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We need to remain in the trials. Pastor, I have so many plans, so many purpose, so many goals to reach. But this virus thing is just stopping us from doing that. Well, allow me to tell you, stand strong under the trial. Stand strong under the trial and work with what you got. Work with what you got. You will find peace. You will find perseverance. You will find the answers. But you have to be violent. And you need to go and get it. As simple as that. Let me pray for you right now where you are. And maybe you're watching for the first time. And let me tell you this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God will help us overcome this virus, this situation that's happening right now. Again, take precaution. Do what you need to do to keep yourself healthy, your family healthy. But stand your ground. Stand your ground. We shouldn't be scared of nothing if God is with us. Let us pray to close. Again, thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for new content every week. God bless.